0: I love those words there there was a time in my life before I get started I better go ahead and dismiss our pirate ship kids if you're a pirate ship kid you're dismissed there you go go ahead and dismiss you guys just a real quick word um, It's a special Sunday for me to be back. Uh, As I said earlier, my wife and I uh, had our first son this week, and here's a little picture of him. There he is, right there. Yeah. It's been really good this week. His name is Maverick Eli, and believe it or not, I've already had the opportunity several times to uh, just kind of pray over him and preach the gospel to him and and even at times, just look at him and say, son, you need Jesus. Son, you need Jesus. Son, you need Jesus. Um, but one of the things that I really love about Creekside Church right now and just where we are is um, I have PTSD whenever I hear that right now. I think that's my child. I need to go attend to them. But one of the things that I love about just where we are in this season of our church is that um, so many of us are having, <clears throat> having babies um, so many of us are, are kind of in that stage of life, and um, or, or you have been through that stage of life, and what I really love about where we are is that we get to go through this all together, right? We get to go through this together. Um, one of the things that I really love about our church right now is that we're really starting to become what I feel like, and a word that I will use is family. I feel like we're family. This week, obviously, many of you know that I don't have family that lives here, but uh, we've just felt that closeness and felt like we were at home all week long just with family here. And so I just want to say thank you. And uh, for those of you um, who who've kind of out of that stage of life, there's a lot of us that are. And so we just appreciate all the love and support that you can possibly give. And I believe that if I'm right, we have two more babies getting ready to be born this year alone. So all in all, somewhere like six babies born this year. crazy. Um, so we're all in this together, we're going to get through it, I promise. We're going to see each other through this, um, just have that casserole on standby at all times. And, and another, week this, another reason this week is really special to me is that this week um, my grandparents are able to be here. This is the first time they've been with us here at Creekside Church. Um, all, just like a second set of parents grew up right next door to them, so I got to see them just about every day of the week. And um, one of the things that uh, is really cool about them being here is that whenever we felt like God was calling us to plant Creekside Church and knew that this was the next step, knew that this was the next chapter of our lives, um, they were some of the first people that I talked to, if not the very first people that I talked to. And I believe that the first money, the first donations that were ever given to Creekside came from them. And so I'm glad that you are here today. But I love those words. There was a time in my life when, there was a time in my life, you see every single person in this room at one stage or another every single one of us has dealt with a word that we will call brokenness. We've dealt with brokenness. We see brokenness in our world. We dealt with that 2 weeks ago with all the mass shootings and everything. We we see it all across the globe. We see brokenness in our country. We see brokenness in our cities. You see brokenness in your family. Like can I get an amen on that? Like we see brokenness in our families. We see brokenness even in our own selves. We see brokenness in our own selves. You see, to be human is to be broken. To be human means to be broken. Now, you might be asking yourself, what is brokenness? What exactly are you talking about? You might be wondering that this morning. You see, brokenness, it, it can manifest itself in many different ways. It can look different in your life than it looked in my life and different than it looks in your neighbor's life. You see, brokenness, it might look different like anger. You ever been just filled with anger? Brokenness can look like anxiety or filled with anxiety. Brokenness can look like depression. Brokenness can look like sickness. Brokenness can look like death and a whole list of other things. You see, brokenness, it manifests itself for each and every one of us in a different way. But you better believe it, that each and every person in this room is broken or has been broken at, no, at one point in our lives. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe in this word called brokenness, just turn on the news. All right? Just turn it on. I don't even care which brand you, you follow. Just turn on any of them. Local news... CNN, Fox News, whatever it is, if you don't believe in brokenness, just visit your local Walmart, right? Like, just visit your local Walmart. I'm, I'm sorry, I know you work at Walmart, but just, I, it's true. Like, it's true, just visit any Walmart. It's like entering the mines of Moria. Like, it's really bad. Like, you have to, like, take a shield and a sword just to get some peanut butter. It's crazy. Just visit any, like, just turn on Facebook, Right? Like, if you don't believe in brokenness, just get on Facebook for just a minute, all right? Just get your popcorn ready and just get on Facebook for any number of times. You see, the world's broken and it manifests itself in many different ways, but the root cause of brokenness is because we rebelled against God. We said we would rather do it our way. We got this thing figured out. We'd rather do it our way. We know what's best. And because of sin, sin led to brokenness. But you see, here's the good news, and here's why I'm glad that you're here this morning. And if you don't take anything else away from this this morning, I want you to know this, that listen, this is not the way that God intended for the world to be. This is not how God designed the world in the very beginning. The brokenness that you see in your family, the brokenness that we see in this city, the brokenness that we see in the world, in your own life. Listen, it's not how God designed the world to be. And maybe even more importantly than that, it's not how God is going to leave the world. It's not how He's going to leave the world. God has ordained it and He's brought a way. God has brought a way for us out of brokenness through this person named Jesus Christ. He's made a way for us to be restored. And you see, what's best about this is over the next four weeks, we're going to tell stories from men and women that are sitting in the pews beside you, in the seats beside you. That's not kid, they're not pews, they're hardbacks. We wish we had pews. But over the next four weeks, we're going to be able to tell different stories from men and women in our church. And you just heard from Nicole about a time in her life whenever her heart was broken, whenever she was off in college and trying to figure out what life was like. Am I going to continue on this path that mom and dad set me out on? Am I going to continue down this path? Or am I going to start my own way? Or am I going to plot my own course through the rest of my life? And she found out through community with other believers that, that God had a big plan for her life and restoration took place. Next week, we're going to talk about what was potentially a broken marriage, a broken marriage, and a really, really, really just neat story about how God brought restoration in a very, very unlikely marriage. The week after that, we're going to talk about a, a broken body. You see, because brokenness, brokenness manifests itself in many different ways, and one of the ways that we see brokenness is through sickness, I've had people that I love to death just riddled with sickness and have to watch them suffer. Or maybe you, yourself, might have things in your life that are causing you just symptoms and brokenness in your on your body and you see how it's taken shape. And then last but not least, we're going to hear about somebody, about broken rules and how someone lived their entire life just breaking every single rule that they could possibly think of and how God brought restoration in the most unlikely places. You see, God is in the business of restoring lives. Let me say that again. God is in the business of restoring lives. Some of you walked in this morning with broken hearts, with heavy hearts. You're living this life wishing, just wishing for something good to take place, something good to come your way, some good news. Listen, this is the good news that God is in the business of restoring lives. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. We're going to hear how God has done that. You see, for my own life, there was a time in my life where I thought that I could find satisfaction and fulfillment from the ladies. Just got to be honest. There was a time in my life that I thought that I could find joy in girls. One pretty glance, one one glance from a a pretty girl would just change my whole day, all right? Like any dudes just with me on this, like I would sit and oftentimes I would just think about, okay, what is the best joke that I could possibly think of to get all the girls in the class to laugh? And I just remember this one particular time in sixth grade, I had this girlfriend, and, and I'll just back up and say, sixth grade was the single worst year of my life Okay, I was what my mother referred to as husky. Okay, And I, I just remember in sixth grade, I had this girlfriend, and, and it was Valentine's Day. She had been my girlfriend for maybe a week or two. I got her one of those teddy bears, and I, I may or may not have sprayed it with my cologne and then gave it to her so that she could think of me whenever she held the teddy bear tight. But in a couple of days after Valentine's Day, if you use that, if you take that, like, please just give me credit for it. I just remember a couple days after I gave her this teddy bear, I see her at lunchtime and she's hanging around with another boy. And uh, It kind of bothered me a little bit. I'm like, whoa, you know, hey, the teddy bear, you know, it's cologne. It's the, you're my girlfriend, right? And she said, yes, absolutely. We're just friends. She, he, he means nothing to me. We're just friends. And uh, I just remember a few days after this very conversation, by the end of the week, she was no longer my girlfriend. She was his girlfriend. And everything that I had feared had come true. And Now listen, I remember being crushed by this. Like just crushed. Like George Michael's I'm never going to dance again style crushed. Like I was just like completely just broken, like a broken heart and everything. I remember like I'm never going to smile again. And it's crazy, like, you remember certain things in life, how just you remember every single detail about, you know, just a few things in life. I remember the day that she broke up with me, the day that I found out she had this other boyfriend, I went home. Mom and dad, they ordered pizza that night, I was like, I don't really want it. And I finally took some pizza, I played some video games, and I forgot the whole thing ever happened. Like, that's how much I love this girl. You see, now the joke's on her, I'm happily married, I got a kid, joke's on her. But you see, one of the ways that we know that we're broken, one of the ways that we see brokenness in our life is because we try to find joy in things or in people that are not God. We try to find joy. We try to find meaning. We try to find purpose. We try to find satisfaction in people or things that are not God. And I thought that I could do that at sixth grade. I still try to do that from time to time. I think for just in my own weakness and in my own flesh, I think, this will make me happy. This will make me joyful. This will fix my problem. And you do the same thing. This is going to solve it all. This is going to satisfy me. This is what I've been looking for. You see, we all turn to different things. We turn to things like relationships. If I just had friends, man, everything would be fine. I need a man, I need a girl, and if I just had those, somebody I could just hold hands with at the movies, man, everything would be fine. A lot of people people try to find joy in religion. Listen, there's a lot of churches around this morning that are not worshiping Jesus Christ, and because they've been peddling this idea that religion that doing this this these set of rules, following this way of life, don't do this, do this, that if you just follow this religion, you will be happy and you will find joy in your life. There's a lot of people that are looking at things like alcohol. This city is riddled with alcoholics, with folks that are trying to find joy in a bottle. This place is riddled with things like pornography, men, looking at pornography, thinking this will satisfy me. This is what I've been looking for. This will give me joy. This will give me content. Work, working 65, 75 hours a week to a place where it's not really healthy because we have to work. We've got to do this. I can't really find joy at home. i got to be at the office so that I can have that status. If I just have the status, then everybody will look at me, and that will be exactly what I'm looking for. You see, All those things that we try to find joy and fulfillment in, they just lead us right back into brokenness. They just leave us in more and more desperation. I've got to find that thing that I'm looking for. I've got to find that thing that my soul is craving for. But you see, here's the news, that in the beginning, whenever God created the world, He did not create the world this way. And whenever I, I think about Adam and Eve in the garden, I think about words like peaceful. I think about words like joyful. I think about words like love. I think about words like satisfaction. In the very beginning, there was complete joy. There was complete satisfaction. There was Love. There were all those things in the very beginning, but sadly, whenever I describe my life, and maybe you would describe your life like this too, and and maybe this is kind of the way that we would describe most Christians these days, is I, I, I would use maybe the word anxious. Or anxious. I would use maybe the word fearful. I might use the word unhappy. I would probably use the word busy. So what happened? How did we get here? How did we get from a garden that is completely peaceful, where you have perfect contentment, where you have love, where you have joy, where you have just a complete satisfaction, happiness, to where we are today, even for those of us who love Jesus Christ with anxiousness, unhappiness? busyness. How did we get here? And I'm glad that you asked that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Genesis. That's where we're going to be, not just today, but that's where we're going to be over the next couple of weeks. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 15. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can see it right over there at our connect table, and that is yours to keep. We're going to start in Genesis 2, starting in verse 15. Whenever you're there, say, I'm there cool. Three of us will read the Bible together. Genesis three, uh, Genesis 2.15, that's where I'm going to start. The word should be up on the screen. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. This man being Adam. Adam was the first man that was ever created. Obviously, God has already created the heavens and the earth. He's already put the stars where they go. He's already put the animals where they go. He's already put the the ocean there and he's already put all the creation there. He's got Adam there and it's beautiful. Right? God looks at all of his creation and says that this is good. He says the trees are good. He says the plants are good. He says man is good. And he said all the things that are growing up out of the garden are good. He says it's all good. Minus cats. Those are bad. And he creates Adam and then verse 16 to see what he could call them. So Adam's name in all of creation. And whatever the name called, every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon him. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and he closed it up in its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made a woman and he brought her to the man. Then he said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of me. Now, next week, we're going to unpack their little union and their marriage here. We're going to talk about that in kind of our broken marriage, but can you imagine with me for just a second that in the beginning, God designed Adam and Eve. He designed them in the beginning for closeness, for relationship. He creates everything, and then He creates Adam and Eve. And we've talked about this a lot, that He created them for His glory. You can see in Genesis chapter 1 that that man was created in the image of God, in the image of male and female. He created them in his own image. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a honeymoon. Okay, I have. But some of those honeymoons are the best of times in life, okay? If you can kind of picture this for just a little bit, it's kind of like a honeymoon. And there's complete enjoyment. Like, you know, those the, the, you're kind of fresh. Your spouse can do no wrong, like everything bad that happens, you just kind of turn a blind eye to. It's not really that big a deal because you know what? I'm married, life is good. It's kind of like this here in the garden. There was no sin. There was no brokenness. There was all love. There was all peace. There was all joy. Let me break it down for you a little bit. There's no fighting at the dinner table. There's no stressing over bills, right? You've been there. There's like there's no stress over bills. There's no worry and hurry. I know that this is hard to imagine, but this is how the world was created. This was God's design. God designed it with no worry, no hurry. God designed it. He had initially designed the world with complete joy. Adam and Eve had joy. Adam and Eve had peace. And you see, the center of their joy was God Himself. They didn't need to find satisfaction in anything else. They didn't need to find joy in anything else because they had found it in God Himself. And everything was perfect. God said, I see everything that I've made and behold, it is good. Pick up with me in in chapter 3, look at verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Hopefully you know who the serpent is. If you don't know, that is our great enemy right there, and he's about to lead us all into brokenness. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may that has changed the entire course of history, the entire course of mankind. Now, it might just seem like they took some fruit and they ate of it. Like, I do that all the time. You like apples? You like bananas? Like, I ate fruit all the time. If it, if you kind of to look at it like that, it's kind of like, what's the big deal, right? Like, what's the big deal? She just took some fruit and she ate of it. I, who cares? Like, what does it matter? But really what's going on here is Adam and Eve, they have just rebelled against the God of the heavens and the earth. And they've said to God, we know better than you do. We believe that if we take of this fruit that we will become like you. And so what we have here is we have the very first sin in all of history. The very first sin in all of history takes place right here. And it's precisely right here at this moment, whenever Adam and Eve, whenever they take of this fruit and they rebel against God, it is precisely right here where mankind stops loving God. I want that sink in for just a second. It's right here where mankind stops loving God. It's right here where they stop being satisfied with God. The reason that you try to find joy and satisfaction in relationships, the reason that you try and find joy and fulfillment in maybe your kids, maybe your spouse, the reason that you try and find joy and fulfillment in your work, in your legacy, in your name, in your identity and other things. Listen, the reason that you try to find joy and fulfillment in other things stems directly from this decision where they said we know better. And we here today do the same exact thing where we look at God, where we're supposed to find joy, supposed to find fulfillment in Him, and say, we know better, we will find it elsewhere. We know better. We got this thing figured out, dude. And so we stop loving God and trying to find joy and fulfillment in other things. And you see, here's the major problem. This is a major problem because anything that we try to find joy in other than God will directly lead us to anxiety, depression, anger, and it will only lead us back into brokenness. I hope you heard that. Anything that we try to find joy in other than God only leads to anxiety only leads to more brokenness, only leads to depression, only leads to us feeling like there's something empty in our lives. And then you see, this is exactly what sin does. Sin deceives us into thinking that we know better. Sin deceives us into thinking that we know what's best for us. Sin deceives us into thinking that God doesn't want what's best for us. Wasn't that exactly how They were tempted, you see, hey, hey, God doesn't want you to have that fruit. He doesn't want you to have it because He knows whenever you take of the fruit that your eyes are going to be open. And so He kind of tempts us into believing that God doesn't want what's best for us. You see, sin deceives us into thinking that we have control over our own destinies, over our own futures. We're in control. You're at the driver's seat, man. It's a lie. It's not true, and sin deceives us into thinking that we can find joy and satisfaction elsewhere, and you see, it never does. It never, ever does. Brokenness and trying to find happiness in anything other than God only leads into more brokenness. Let me show you exactly what I mean. Look in chapter 3, verse 8. This is after they've sinned. This is after they've taken the The fig leaves together and they've made their loincloths. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid themselves, but the Lord God called to the man and he said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that which I've commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, I love how he pins it on her, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. So what is one of the very first things that Adam and Eve do whenever they sin against God? The very first thing that they do is they hide. It didn't sound like that in chapter 2, did it? It didn't sound like they needed to hide. It didn't sound like they had any reason at all to run. But whenever they sin and whenever they open themselves up to this, they find out, their eyes are open, and the very first thing that they do is they run and they hide from God. The very first thing that they do is they run and hide from God. Does that sound like joy, peace, and happiness to you? It doesn't, does it? It doesn't sound like joy, peace, and happiness. What it sounds like is anxiety, depression, shame, and guilt. Genesis chapter 3 is the beginning of anxiety. Genesis chapter 3 is the beginning of shame. Genesis chapter 3 is the beginning of fighting at the dinner table. Genesis chapter 3 is the beginning of guilt that we carry in our lives. It all began right here, because the very first thing that they do whenever they sin and whenever they fall is they run from God. They hide themselves from God. They don't run to God. They don't run to God. Now, here's the thing. Throughout the rest of the Bible, it's going to be hard. We're going to to have ourselves a very hard time of finding people who actually love God and the rest of the Bible. We're going to have a very hard time finding people who have just a joyful relationship in the in their time with God. It's going to be kind of hard to find. We see it in people like Abraham. Later on in the book of Genesis, we see in the book of Abraham where he sits down and he has this meal, he has this relationship with God. We're going to see it in a man named Jacob. We're going to see it in a man named Moses. We're going to see it in a man named Joshua. We're going to see it in this man... Uh, And this man named Isaiah. But you see, there's a a young man who's different from most of the other men. Who we see probably for the very first time actually has a joyful, peaceful relationship with God. And it's this man named David. David becomes king. And he has a relationship that is completely joyful in God. And we see it in 2 Samuel 6 and 7 where David dances and he celebrates because the presence of God, through the early Ark of the Covenant, representing God's presence, is dwelling in Jerusalem. David dances. He dances because of his joy in God. He's finding joy and he's finding happiness in God again. We're, we're kind of getting there. We're, we're getting closer. And, and David says these things in, in Psalm 119, 103. David says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You see, David really delighted in God. And there was a great fellowship with him. And you see, it's just really, really hard to find men and women in the Bible who love who really love God. And all of this is until Jesus shows up on the scene. And you see, Jesus shows up on the scene in the New Testament, and He walks with God. He leaves the ministry from time to time just to be with God. He led His disciples, and He taught them how to pray, taught them how to have a relationship with God. And then, whenever it gets time for Jesus to continue in his ministry, there's these men named the Pharisees. These, they pull Jesus aside and they say, Hey, Jesus, what is the most important thing that we do with our lives? What is the most important commandment? And what does Jesus say? Jesus says that the most important commandment, the most important thing that you can do is to love, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And with all your mind, love. Love God? Love Him? Find joy in Him? Like, really love? With all my heart? With all my soul? With all my mind? I've heard of serve God. I like, don't you mean that what Jesus. Like, isn't that what you really meant to say? What's the most important commandment? Well, you need to serve your God with all your heart. Serve your God with all your soul. Serve your God with all your mind. You need to follow God. Is that what Jesus says? Follow God with all your heart. Follow God with all your mind. Follow God with all your, with all your strength. Follow him with everything that you have. That's not exactly what Jesus says. is it? Jesus says love. Love your God who is in heaven. Love him with everything that you have within you. Love Him. Do you love God? Do you love God? Love. I have a very different definition of that word love this week, probably I mean, I hold my wife, and I love my wife dearly, but to hold my son, it's like love. I would give my life for that thing. I'd give my life for my wife too, of course. All right, don't tell her I said that. Hey, you weren't there last week, and he was telling he'd give his life for his kid, but he never said he'd give his life for you. I would actually give my life. But that definition of love has a whole new meaning this week. Love. Do you love God. Love Him. Do you enjoy God? Like, enjoy Him. Like, you don't have to be serving. You don't have to be doing anything. But just enjoy your Heavenly Father. Just enjoy him. Enjoy who He is. Enjoy His characteristics. Enjoy His nature. Enjoy just the person of God. Do you love Him? But you see, here's the weird thing, and it's going to sound really weird. You see, the only reason and the only way that you could love God and enjoy Him is because Jesus died on the cross. It doesn't seem like that. How do we get to love God? How do we get to find joy? We get to know God? We get to find joy because somebody had to die for this very thing. You see, the kingdom of God is the exact opposite of everything that you think. Love, hope, peace, and satisfaction, it only came through death. It only came through death. Death of Jesus Christ on the cross. He says in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father on the throne of God. You see, the only way that you could ever be happy again is because Jesus died for you on the cross. The only reason that you could dance again the only reason that you can find joy, the only reason that your life can get out of brokenness is because Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus loves you so much that he left heaven to die on the cross in your place so that your life and your mess could be fixed. So that you can know what love is. So that you can know what happiness is. So that you can know what joy is. Now this morning, I want to I'm going to ask you just a few questions. And I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to be honest with God. I want you to, if you have a pen, if you have paper, I want, I want you to go ahead and write this down. On a scale of 1 to 10 this morning, what is your level of joy in God? Go ahead, take your time. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your level of joy in in God. Ten being, man, I just I enjoy God like I enjoy a meal. I'm able to just be so satisfied. One being, eh, I'm really dry right now. One being, I'm, I'm at rock bottom. One being, I, I, I need I need a life raft. On a scale of 1 to 10, how's your time in the Word? How's your time in the Bible? Can you just open up the Bible and and find what you need there? Find fulfillment there. Find joy there. On a scale of 1 to 10. 10 being, man, I cracked it open this morning before church, and I'm ready to go. One being, what is the Bible? (laughs) How about your time in prayer? On a scale of one to ten. What's your time in prayer? Time in prayer. Ten being I spend a, a lot of time on my knees. I, I get up generally six, seven in the morning right before I go into work, and I'm just soaked in prayer. I got a journal and my family we pray together. One being somewhere along the lines of we said the blessing. Somewhere along those lines. Last but not least, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your time in accountability? And and what I mean by that is what is your time spending with other believers in Christ where you're able to just sit and and kind of be in community with one another, where you're able to hold each other accountable, where you're able to talk about your highs and your lows, where you're able to to kind of lift and encourage each other up on a scale of 1 to 10. Ten being I I meet with someone regularly, probably once a week. One being I have no friends that I can talk to about God. So on a scale of one to ten, what is your time and accountability in God? Go back with me to Genesis 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. You see, this is the very first time where we see shame, where we see, where we see just guilt. Anywhere you marked low this morning? Where you said, No, I'm dry, where I'm not in prayer, I'm not really serving, I haven't read my Bible anytime. Listen, you have two responses this morning. And one of my favorite pastors, Matt Chandler, he says it this way, that that the mark of the true believer, that the mark of someone who's really pressing in and understands his relationship with God is this, that whenever you fall, whenever you mess up, whenever you're really dry, do you see yourself running away from God? Do you see yourself hiding from God? Do you see yourself saying, I need about two or three weeks and then I'll come back to him? Do you see yourself saying, God is mad at me? Do you see yourself saying, God is, can never could be pleased with me? Or do you see yourself saying, I need to run to God. I need to run to Him. That's where I'm going to find joy, satisfaction this morning. If you're dry anywhere, if you, if you graded yourself low in any of those places, your joy in God is low Your time in the Bible is low. Your time in prayer is low. Your time in accountability is low. You have one solution and one solution only, and that's only to press in. And to fall on your face and say, I need you this morning. I need you so that I can find joy, so that I can find fulfillment, so that I can find happiness. This morning, the band is going to come and play, and I'm going to do something I've never done before here Um, I'm going to ask if you would just to go ahead and close your eyes and bow your head with nobody looking around. Nobody looking around this morning, just you and God. And because I believe that this is a place of healing and because I believe that God wants to do work, because I believe and the power of restoration and the good news of Jesus, I'm I'm just going to ask you just a few questions. With every eye closed, every head bowed, just you and God, this morning if you would say that you just need some prayer, would you raise your hand? You walked in this morning and a little hurt. Life is heavy right now. You just need some prayer. If you're here this morning and you would describe your life not as joyful, not as happy, if you would describe your life as more anxious, depressing, sad, busy, just dry, would you raise your hand? If you're here this morning and you would say that there's never, ever been a single time in your life where you've run to Jesus Christ, where you've made him the king of your life, where you've surrendered to him, where you've followed him and you've given him everything, if there's never been a moment in time in your life like that, would you raise your hand? I just want to give you some time where you are just to just where you're seated just to pray if you didn't need prayer there's a lot of men and women that raised their hands in the room this morning would you pray for them here this morning and your life was broken and there was a time in your life when you were broken when your heart was broken you had broken all the rules if there was a time in your life when your life was broken but you've been restored you have the responsibility the precious responsibility you have been entrusted with a message of restoration. We are called now to go back into brokenness, to find men, women, and children that are broken that need a restoration. You cannot sit on the sidelines if Christ has called you, He's called 100% of you. If you're here this morning, and you want to take a next step into reaching out into brokenness and you want to, if you just say this morning that that my yes is on the table and I'm ready for Jesus to do something incredible with my life, I just don't know how to do it. I don't know what step to take. I don't know how to press into Christ. If that's you this morning and you just want a little bit of help, would you raise your hand? This morning, we're going to stand and sing, and we're going to talk about how God brings refreshment to our souls. I'm going to be at the back of the room, and if you need anybody to pray with this morning, you just want somebody to just listen. I'll be in the back. I'll be willing to pray for you. Listen, we're going to open up the altar this morning. We're going to open up the stage. If you just want to come and pray, it's, it's here for you. If we can do nothing else but just create a, an atmosphere of prayer, then today was a win. We hope that you would be obedient this morning. Let's pray. Father God, just as we come, Lord, as we come to you this morning, we we lift you up and we say that we are broken. Lord, there's been a time in each and every single one of our lives where we've needed the Holy Spirit just to reach down to save us, to change us. God, we pray this morning that for those that are hurting, that this would be a place of healing, that we would all weep together as one, as a family, that we would all find restoration as one, as a family. May we not leave today changed change our hearts, change our minds. In Jesus' name.